Good morning, church. Well, turn your Bibles to John, the 14th chapter, verse 18. John 14, chapter, verse 18. I'm going to talk fast, and so I need you to listen quickly. We have a lot to cover this morning, but uh, I have a special message for you, and you have a handout in your bulletins to go along with it. In John 14, 18, we see Jesus having his last discourse. I think last words are important. Uh, just recently, as many of you know, and many have been praying for me, I have been diagnosed with stage four cancer, with fast-growing cancer, and God did a work in my life. Today, I stand in front of you cancer-free, and uh, God has done a work, and I've been on the road preaching. I only missed uh, nine days of preaching, so uh, I think that's pretty good, and I'm cancer-free. But I think last words are important. This is Jesus' last words to disciples. And he says to them, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, I think last words are important because when I had stage four cancer, I did not know if I was going to live very long. And I thought, what, what would I say to my grandsons and to my, uh, my sons and my daughter-in-laws? What would be my last word to them as I laid in bed dying? I was afraid my last words are going to be, pass the taco chips. <gasps> and a taco chip stuck, and I die, and the rest of my family reunion for a generation, you remember your dad's last word? <laughs> and I die, you know. This is Jesus' last word, and what Jesus said, and he's talking to grown men. He's talking to disciples. He's talking to James and John, the sons of thunder. He's talking to Peter. He says to them, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. Because in orphans, guess what? There is a whole series to an orphan. An orphan says, I have no father, no authority. I work all around the world, and I, as I go to orph orphanages in different parts of the world, little kids would run out to me going, Daddy, 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 or Father, Father, Papa, Papa. You know, they'd come to me thinking I'm, our, I'm their father because every, fa every orphan is looking for the father to come to them. They say, I have no home, no significance, okay? Uh, every orphan says, I have no home. Yeah, I got this home, I have no home. They say, I have uh, no significance, because a home gives a child a significance in their life. And then I hurt the one who loves me the most. An orphan hurts the one who loves them the most. Let me prove that. Uh, who does God love the most? You. Who hurt God the most? Uh, prove my point, okay? An orphan hurts the one who loves them the most, and they cannot tolerate those who have sonship. You see, there's a downward spiral to an orphan heart. When you, when you say you're, you have no father, what you're saying, I have no father, I have no identity. Because it's your father who speaks into you your identity. It's your mother who gives you value. And I wish I had an hour to unfold that. It's your mother who gives you values in your life. It's your father who speaks into your identity. And if you have no father, you have no identity. If you have no identity, guess what? You have no purpose in life. Because out of your identity of knowing who you are, guess what comes out? What you are. And so if you have no father, you have no identity. If you have no identity, you have no purpose. If you have no purpose, you have no direction. Because out of your purpose becomes your direction. If I have a purpose of becoming a doctor, guess what? I have a direction. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to medical school. I'm going to have residency. Because I have a purpose, it gives me direction. If I have no direction, I have no destiny. When I left this morning, I had a destiny. I was supposed to come to First Baptist Church, Owasso, Oklahoma. You know, what happened? I got my car, and I had no destiny. I just started driving. Where am I going to end up? 
But see, an orphan says, I have no father. I have no identity. I have no identity. I have no purpose. I have no purpose. I have no direction. I have no direction. I have no destiny. An orphan says, I have no destiny, no life. Because, see, when you get there, you have your destiny, you have your life. I get my medical degree. I have a life. I'm now going to practice medicine, and I'm going to be able to help people and do that. So what an orphan says, if I have no father, I have no life. Now, did Jesus know his father? Let's look at one person who had all the good stuff going on in their life. Did Jesus know his father? And the answer is yes, okay? In fact, Jesus, in Matthew 3, 17, God the Father pronounced Jesus' sonship on him. And a voice from heaven said, God, this is my son who I'm well pleased. And you know what? The first record of Jesus' words in the Bible is about, in Luke's the second chapter, about his father. When 12 years old, they found him. They said, where have you been? His mom and dad are upset. and said, where have you been? And he said, did you not know I had to be about my father's business. At 12 years old, Jesus knew who he was because his father spoke into him his identity. And he didn't, have, he didn't struggle with anything because he knew his identity. Even when the temptation came in Matthew the fourth chapter, guess what? And, the, and, and the, uh, Satan came to him and said, if you're the son of God, he goes, well, where have you been? Don't you know who I am? Jesus was secure in who he was because his father spoke into him his identity. And Jesus' last word was about his father. What does he say on the cross? Father, into your hand I commend my spirit. So we see that Jesus knew his father. Did Jesus know his identity? Yes, he did, because his father he knew his father, he knew his identity. He says in John 10 30, guess what? I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen my father. My dad and I are just alike, you know. I'm just like my dad, you know. And he talked about his father all the time. As you look through the scriptures and you see Jesus when he compares himself to the Father, guess what? He knows who he is because he knows who his Father is. In fact, he says in Luke 10, 22, all things been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who is the Father except the Son, and to anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. So Jesus knew his Father, Jesus knew his identity, did Jesus know his purpose? Yes, he did. In John 10, 10, he says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you might have life and life abundantly. How did Jesus know his purpose? Because he knew his identity. How did he know his identity? Because his father spoke it into him. Now, am I going too fast at this point? Okay, hang on. Put your seatbelt on, okay? So what happened is that we know that Jesus knew his purpose. And in Matthew 16, 21, he again says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples, he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things. Jesus knew, guess what his purpose was. He knew his purpose because he knew his identity. He knew his identity because he knew his father. So what happened is, you know your father, you know these things. Did Jesus know his direction? You bet he did, Okay. And Jesus answered and said to them, Even I testify about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I'm going. Jesus knew his direction. Did Jesus know his destiny? From the day he came on this earth, he knew his what? His destiny. Therefore, Jesus received the sour wine. He said, it is finished. Guess what? He had arrived. He knew where he's supposed to be. And Jesus came on this earth. He knew his father. He knew his identity. He knew his purpose. He knew his direction. And he knew his destiny. You know what, the uh, USA did a survey among senior adults. 
And they said, have you arrived where you think you're supposed to be in life? And like 90% did not know. They didn't know what their destiny was. They didn't know where they're supposed to be going. They didn't know where they're supposed to arrive. And yet Jesus did. And did Jesus have life? And the answer is, yes, he did. He said, I am the way, the life, and the truth. And no one comes to the Father but through me. Now, what does this mean to us? First of all, God wants you to be a part of his family. We're going to do a build conference this afternoon. I'm excited about that because it's so needed in our community to strengthen family. But guess what? God wants you to be a part of his family. And there's only three ways you could be in a family. You could be born into a family. You could be adopted to a family. Or you could be married into a family. And guess what the Bible says? God has taken care of all three. He said you must be what? Born again. Okay, and marriage in Revelation 19.7 says, guess what? He said, yeah, hey, guess what? There's going to be a, a marriage feast in heaven, and we're going to be married into the family. And then in uh, Ephesians 1.5, he said, we're going to be adopted into the family. Do you know God loves you so much that he took care of all the ways that you could be in a family? Isn't that incredible? He's not going to live you out. You're born into his family, you're adopted into his family, and you're going to be married into his family because God loves you so much. And who was the first orphan in the Bible? Anybody know who the first orphan was? A lot of people said Joshua, the son of Nun, but that's not it. Thank you. Satan was the first orphan. Did you know that? He had a home. He had significant tasks. He had a place where he, you know, was loved. And what is that? He rejected the father. The creator, he said, guess what? I will, I will, I will. And Isaiah, five times, and he left, and he rejected the father. And he came to earth. And guess what orphans do? Orphans make other people orphans. So he goes around, he finds Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve has what? They have everything. They have a home. They have significance. They have, you know, uh, uh, authority over them. And everything is taken care of. And what does the orphan Satan does? He makes orphan Adam and Eve, and they reject the father. And ever since then, guess what? Everybody who's been born into sin has been born with an orphan heart. And it's our Father's job to speak into us our identity, our worth, and our value. But guess what? It doesn't happen. Turn to Luke 15. I know we're doing the parables this morning, so just turn to Luke 15. I want to show you a real picture of an orphan here. This is the orphan of all orphans, Luke 15. We know the story as the prodigal son. And in verse 12... Says, well, verse 11, he says, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the state that falls to me. And what is, he, what is this young man saying? He goes to his dad and said, give me my inheritance. So what is he saying to his dad? Yeah, you're dead. When do you get your inheritance? It's supposed to be when your father passed away. So what he's saying is, I have no father. My father's gone. My father's dead. And he had no father. You have no what? You have no identity. So the young man took all his stuff, and guess what he did? He went, look, searching for himself. Okay, look at verse 13. Not many days later, the young son gathered everything together and went on a journey to distant countries, and there he squandered his state with loose living. See, what happened when you don't have a father, you go to foreign countries to find yourself. 
Oh, this is a perfect story of an orphan spirit that lives within a young boy. Because all of a sudden he rejects his father. He, his father's alive, but he rejects him. And now he goes to a distant, distant country to find himself. Do you know when you reject your father, we do the same thing? Do you know how many young people I have talked to that have gone to distant countries? They go to drugs. They go to pornography. They go to trying to, to gain wealth and riches and all that kind of stuff. And I see young girls, when they don't have their father speak their identity, they will sleep with every boy in the class so they could find somebody that will speak into them worth and value. And I see young men that come in and they try to control women, try to prove them they're somebody because they think they're nobody in their hearts. They're just orphans out there trying to find themselves. And the orphan spirit always takes you to distance and foreign countries. And we see it over and over. You just walk through the, you ever been to a little league soccer game? That's where all the orphans shows up. Because they're trying to make their child, what? Give them worth and value. They're trying to do that. It's the father who speaks into your identity. But they want to be somebody. They want to be the father of the champion. They want to be the mother of the champion. And they're out there screaming, yelling at their kids. Can't you ever? Don't you ever? And they're screaming at them. You know why? Because they have no worth and value. They feel like orphans inside their hearts. Am I right, Pastor? So what happens is we see this whole spirit of the orphan heart that comes into people's lives there. And so he goes on. Let's see what happens here. He has no identity. He has no purpose. Does he have any direction? It says, no, he wanders, okay? And not many days later, the son gathered everything together, went on a journey, distant country, and there he squandered. Guess what? Is that a purpose? To go out and just lose everything? He has no, no direction. He has no destiny. He has no purpose in his life. He's out there trying to find himself. We saw that in the 60s. Remember that, folks? How many grew up in the 60s? We, we reject our authorities, and we went to trying to find ourselves, and we started doing everything else, trying to find ourselves, and you can't find yourself because it's the Father who speaks into you your worth and value. So we see this boy, and not many days later, he gathered everything. In verse 14, now we spent everything. A severe famine came to the country. He began to be in need. And he went and attached himself to the citizen of that country. So what happened now is all of a sudden, being of the family that cared him and loved for him, he now belongs to a different family that doesn't care for him. And now he lives in this, in this uh, uh, place that's just nothing but devastation. And what happened to the young boy? You remember he ended up eating What? with the hogs. My dad is a hog farmer. We used to use a word called slop. You know what slop is? If you don't, just take your garbage can, stir it up, okay, and look in it, and that's what the hogs eat. They eat garbage. And all of a sudden, we see this young man in there eating garbage. Did he have life? No. You know why? Because he rejected the father. And the only way, I tell you what, uh, verse 17 is the greatest verse in the Bible, I think. He said he came to his senses. And he said, I must go back to my what? My father. The only way you can get your self-worth, your identity, your purpose, your, your destiny is go back to your father because your father holds the key to you having your identity in life. He goes back to his father, and his father restores him. But we see an older brother, and he comes in. Guess what? The older brother gets upset. And you know what? The orphan heart goes two ways. It either goes to uh, rebellion or to rights. 
Now, what happened is this older brother goes, I'm, I'm the perfect child. I've done everything I could. I've done this and this and this and this, and you didn't give me my inheritance. And, and this other boy, he's rebellious. So either you become the rebellious child or the perfect child. And you're trying to earn the Father's love. I see that so many times in the body of Christ. If I just give a little more to God, he'd love me. And if I just did one more mission trip, he'd love me. If I just did this and this and this. And they work toward the Father's love. You do not have to work for the Father's love. You already have it. So now I need to tell you the story. The rest of the world. Here's the prodigal son. It's not a story about a prodigal son. It's about a prodigal father who did not speak into his children, their identity, their worth and value. And so also one goes one way, one goes the other way. And it's about them coming back to the father. Only one came back to the father, the oldest one did not. When I was nine years old, as most of you know my story, I grew up uh, with a speech impediment and could not. In fact, I was labeled slow in school. And my father, every time I looked in his eyes, I saw myself as, as he called me, retarded. And I wanted to please my father. And I was nine years old. He was a diesel mechanic. And we had a shop out on our farm. And that's where he worked on diesel trucks. And one day he had to go take care of a, a diesel broken down the side of the road. And I came to his shop. And I looked at his shop. And oh my goodness, it was, it's a nasty shop. It had grease over the table, grease on the floor. And I thought if I clean this up, my dad would be pleased. So I get in there and I scrub the floor and I get all the grease up and I put that sawdust stuff down and I clean his tools and I tell you, they were sparkly, you could see them yourself and there was the desk there and I tell you what, it was all clean by the time I got done. When I got done, it looked like a brand new shop. I'm covered in grease and I saw my dad coming down the road. So I went stood attention by the toolbox knowing that my dad would be pleased. My dad drives in, he opens up, he doesn't say a word, he walks over to the the, the table there and the bench and he began to look at it and, and, and he looked at that and then he goes over to the floor and I see him doing it like this with his foot trying to you know see how good I did then he went saw the tools and then he turned around to me and says it's about time you did something around here and he walked off I didn't please my father and I'm going to tell you from that day on the spirit of the orphan grew within me I was an orphan in my own home and some of you know what I'm talking about. And you can never put, and so I begin to try to say, well, my dad wouldn't please. I got to work harder. I got to do better. And I remember the day that God called me in the ministry and I told my dad, I said, dad, God has called me to the ministry. And he said, who wants a retard like you? So I set out to prove my dad wrong. And I begin to work and work and work and work. And I begin to grow in the ministry and get to bigger, bigger churches. And, and I was talking to Chris earlier. The first time we met, I was awarded a, uh, a, a little statue by my peers as the youth pastor of the decade for the for United States. Then they elected me as the president of this organization and where I was charged of the 50 largest church in America in developing ministry and seeing what we need to do. And there's a think tank. And I called my dad. I said, Dad, guess what? My youth ministry uh, peers had elected me to be the president of this organization. And my dad said, you've never been a real pastor, though. And no matter what I did, every time he would put me down, put me down, put me down. My dad's dying of diabetes. And I remember so well going in the hospital room there and, and his brothers and sister would come in. He would tell them he loved him. He loved him. He loved him. And finally I'd go in there and my dad, he would never tell me he loved me. 
not myself or my other three brothers. The doctor called us in and said, your dad only got a few minutes. He woke my dad up and he said to my dad, he said, Mr. Moore, he said, Mr. Moore, uh, you're getting ready to die. Your sons are here. What would you like to say to them? And I remember I was nine years old again in my heart. My dad is going to say something good to me. My dad is going to really do well. And all of a sudden, my dad looks at the doctor and says, tell those boys I have nothing to say to them. My dad died. My brother slammed the bed, and I can't use the words he used. And I'm sitting there going, Dad, you had one chance to speak into me because it's the father's job to speak into their son and children and daughter's identity. And so out of that identity comes purpose and direction and destiny in life. And my dad is dead. I will never have that sonship. I was laying in the hotel room and John 17, 23 came to me. Just turn to that real quick and we're closing. John 17, 23. Look at it. It's the greatest verse in the Bible for orphans. Because in John 17, still Jesus' last words. He's still speaking to the disciples. And this is what he says. He says, I and them, thou and me, that they might be perfected in unity. And the world may know that thou didst send me and didst love them even as thou didst love me. Let me explain it to you in walk more language. Although thou's and dits gets to me sometimes. What he did, he sent Jesus this earth so we know two things that you would know the father you know jesus came so you would know the father and the second thing you would know is the father loves you as much as he does jesus now brother chris can i come up here and i love brother chris i he i'm so proud of him and how god is using him and you're very fortunate to have him as your pastor here i want you to play the part of jesus okay and look at him. I mean, look at your pastor. He's a handsome, strong, athletic guy. Look at me, okay? I, I, I'm in shape. I think round is a good shape, okay? I mean, that's... And God the Father walks in, and you ask me, who does God the Father loves the most? Jesus, the perfect son, or Walker Moore, the guy that messes up all the time, the failure the one I hears my father voice going, how come you never, why don't you ever? And I hear that, you, you know, about time you did something, and all these voices play in my mind, and I'm going, no, God the Father loves Jesus the most because he is the perfect son of God. Look at him, he's never done anything wrong. He heard the will, I'm well pleased. All I hear is from my earthly father, you're a mess up. And John 17, 23 told me this, that God sent Jesus so that I would know my father loves me as much as he does Jesus. Oh, do you know how much he loves Jesus? How much does God the Father love Jesus? And he loves me no less. In spite of all my mistakes, guess what? He gives all my sin to his son Jesus to take care of so the father could love me. And he never knew I did anything wrong. I have a father that loves me unconditionally. And Chris, I want to tell you something today. Can I tell you something? My name is Walker Moore, and I am the father's favorite child. Okay? And Chris, I want you to know something. You, Chris, based on John 27, 3, you're my father's favorite child, and he's not thought bad about you. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? God sent Jesus, because what my earthly father could not do, guess what my heavenly father did? 
You have no excuse to walk around with an orphan heart this morning. You've been walking around and you've been trying to please your husband. You're trying to please your, everybody around because you're trying to work and work and work. One of these days, somebody can be pleased with who I am. And you don't have to do that anymore. Some of you have been rebellious. You've been running from God because you, can't, you know you can't earn it. And you're taking your inheritance. I'm going to tell you today, you live in the house of God and you don't need to be an orphan in it anymore. And I'll tell you what, it changed. I took my wife's lipstick and wrote my wife's mirror on the mirror. I, Walker Moore, am my father's favorite child. Now, I don't suggest that. Use your wife's lipstick, but you're right. You ought to go home because, you know, every day the world tells us that we're not. You know, every day the world tells you, you're no good. You have no value. You have no worth. You go to your job. You hear your boss tell you, you have no good, no worth, no value. You have no direction. You have no destiny. You have no life. Guess what? You do have because all those are lies, and we need to escape the lie in the church. You know why? Because an orphan cannot do two things. An orphan cannot do the great commandment. They cannot love their neighbor as themselves, and they cannot do the great commission. They can't make disciples. Only true sonship people walk in the freedom of knowing our identity and our worth and our value in Jesus Christ. So this is what I want you to do this morning. I got to, I got to quit and I got to head to another church here and preach. And, but I, I need you to do something real quick for me. I want you to use what we call a storge tone. I don't have time to explain to it, but I need you to talk like you're talking to a little child. And if you've got your wife next to you, I want your husband to turn to your wife and touch her on the cheek. Look her in the eyes, use her name, and say to her, Betty or whatever her name is, I want you to know you're the father's favorite child. And I am married to God's favorite child. Now, I didn't say kiss, okay? I mean, I mean, there's a lot of smack. This church is very liberal, okay? <laughs> Women, how does that feel when that, your husband spoke that to you? I saw your shadow going, oh. Do that again. <laughs> now, why is I want you to do that to your husband? Look at him, use his name, and tell him who he is. Because we as a church need to remind ourselves on a daily basis who we are. Because the enemy comes at us a thousand times, and the church never speaks into us the truth that we are the father's favorite child. Now, if your children are next to you, I want you to say that to your children. Tell them who they are, because your child needs to know who they are. Did you know that? If you don't tell your daughter that, one of these days you can bring her home a knuckle-dragging ape, okay? And, Dad, I love this guy. You know why? Because you did not speak into her worth and value and her identity, and she found some creep that would. And she's given herself to him because she got something that she thought she needed, but he really didn't give her anything. And your sons and your daughters need to know who they are. I think some of you need this morning just need to come say, I, I've had an orphan heart. I've been walking around like Walker has for all these. I've been to church work many, 46 years. It, it was our first 40 years I did work out of the orphan spirit, trying to prove my dad wrong. Now I don't have to. I have my heavenly father who spoke into me, my identity, my worth. I'm a new person, a new creation because of that. So maybe you need to come and say, I give up the orphan spirit. I'm going to lay it at the altar today, and I'm going to thank Jesus that I'm the Father's favorite child. And I'm going to walk out of here with that in my heart. Father, we come to you, Lord Jesus, and we just thank you so much that you have spoken through the scriptures, Lord, that 
In John 17, 23, we don't have to be the prodigal son. We don't have to be the one that uh, rebelled against you. We don't have to be the one that's trying to keep on working, trying to gain, trying to figure out how can we earn your love. Father, you have told us in John 17, you sent Jesus so that we would know, that we would know in our hearts and our spirit and our mind that we have, we're not the orphan child. Father, we have full sonship in you, and you've given us everything you needed that we need to walk our lives out. Father, I thank you today that I am your son. And Father, that you love me as much as Jesus. I can't even imagine what that is. I've never experienced that kind of love before until you told me about it. And now I know it, Lord. And I feel loved because of you. And Lord, we just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we stand, I'm going to turn over to the pastor. I want to lay it at the altar. I no longer want to buy the lie. I just want to say to Jesus, thank you, Jesus, for letting me know today that I'm your favorite child. You come as God speaks to you. Step out and you just come to the altar and say, today I give this orphan heart up, pastors.